Hello and welcome to Art Supply Posse, a podcast about art supplies and the people that use them. This week's episode is sponsored by Art Snacks. My name is Heather Rivard and I am joined by my co-host, Kathy Campbell. How are you doing, Kathy? Hello. Oh, I am here. You have had quite the little adventure, haven't you? It was yesterday was such a nice day. Like I wore a tank top outside. Granted, it was like 45. So but it was sunny and spring was coming. And then today is just torrential downpours, which normally would be fine, except that I had to take a friend to the airport and a 45-minute trip turned into more than two hours, mm. <laughs> and there were multiple accidents, and a car almost, like, sideswiped me because they weren't paying attention, and I am just like, let's talk about art supplies, please. Yeah, it is uh, 25 past 5. Our originals thought we were going to start uh, recording at 3.30 on Wednesday, so yeah, you've, yeah. Had, you've had a little ordeal. Um, yeah. we've been on a kind of a weird schedule with me being out here, but we're gonna, we're gonna get back to, uh, a, 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 a more, we're gonna work on a recording schedule and be a little bit more reliable. So sorry to folks. I know the episodes have been out a little bit later these past couple of weeks. We've still hit Wednesdays, but, <laughs> but it's, it's been late Wednesday, California time. So I'll be back in the, uh, in the East Coast next week, and things will be a little bit more back to normal. But I'm soaking up the last bits of sunshine out here before I, I head back oh. into the winter. Feel oh. free to send it up here a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. I think hopefully, hopefully it'll, be, it'll be all good. I'm actually I'm looking forward to getting home. I'm starting to get not, not antsy, but like looking forward to... Um, just having my kitchen and my desk and yeah there's there's something to be said for sure about having your space again especially when you're staying with family that are amazing and I'm sure you're having a fantastic time but there's still that that you're very aware that you are not home yeah and I'm I'm glad that I'm feeling a a little bit of a tug looking forward to get home because otherwise it would be really sad to leave but yeah you're absolutely right it's been it's been awesome being out here and I'm glad that there's at least part of me that's excited to go home so um I know at least I will have a microphone stand again this is my last week of sitting inside of this beautiful closet which which is a which is a lovely closet you know as far as closets go but but it's still a closet (laughs) yeah i get home i can sit on a chair with a mic stand it'll be such such luxury Woohoo! you're living in the big world now (laughs) absolutely so uh (laughs) what kind of art art supplies have you been using this week um i have been playing around with uh the supplies from the art snacks box um mainly so I did the Art Snacks Challenge, and we'll put a link in the show notes to I saw it. It looks so great. Chocolate-covered strawberry, because, of course, it was Valentine's Day. I did it yes. yesterday. Thematic. Um, and my uh, colors were very strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberry. So I was just like, oh, this needs to happen. Um, I've also had a very, very busy week, and it's only Wednesday, and it's it's one of those types of weeks where like I was looking at my calendar uh trying to see if I could plan something for later this week and 
like every minute of every day was pretty much like scheduled out in the calendar and that's with moving our recording from yesterday so it's just been it's been one of those weeks but the thick stabilos the uh uh pen 68s in the pink and the brown i have been using to full effect outside of doodling and drawing which have been amazing and i am pretty sure i will be purchasing additional um uh additional ones in a variety of colors because they're the thicker point is so much more solid yeah that it like oh it makes me happy the the 88s really, really are, super, are are really popular but they're they're a point four um tip and that's whew i they, it says point four but i feel like it is way more um fragile than like the copic um fine liners yes. that i use which i think it probably is i mean it's a less expensive pen it's more of a like a disposable art pen you know you don't yeah. I mean, you don't I refill it, it. I, yeah it's it's fine but when it comes to i mean i want to know that when i'm writing i'm not going to break something yeah and i i have a feeling that these will become my new my new friend Ooh, wow, look. Oh, it's a 10-piece. I thought it was like a huge tin. I was going to be all excited. You can get an 84-pack. Oh, no. It says available in 40 colors. And ooh. Ooh, they have them in like little octagonal uh, boxes. Nope, hexagonal boxes shaped like the pen. How many sides? Six. <laughs> Six. Okay. Hex, right? Hex. Yes, because <laughs> oct is eight. I right. know that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's cool. So you, you've been working with your uh, Art Snacks box. You did the challenge. It looks lovely. Yes. And then you also yeah. have, what is this pen case that you So I um, am a bullet journaler, and there's a huge community everywhere. Um, and one of the YouTubers I follow is called Boho Berry, and she has a Facebook uh, group, and I will link in the show notes to her um but she has been doing a video of her planning every day um where she's just like going through her trackers and blah 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 yes i realize how much of a nerd i'm sounding but bear with me um one of the things that she has is a pen case that i found on um on amazon that's very similar and it's exactly what I pretty much need Mm -hmm. um, because it's got a huge, well, it's got a a big open space in the bottom and then a flap that has five slots for pens. So I put my fountain pens that I'm using for that week or whatever. And then I have my um, pit artist pens in it. And then the top of it has a little zipper that I have my lead for my pencil and a Velcroed pocket that I put my eraser in. And it's great because I can zip it up and throw it in my drawer when I'm done. Uh, Before I was having a cool stand-up little pen container, but it wasn't holding all of my different colors that I wanted to have available and blah, blah, blah. So this I found, it was $9 on Amazon and it makes me very, very happy. Yeah, I I do a similar um a similar thing with my my daily pen case. 
um, which is the uh, chimney top from Knock. And mm-hmm. uh, I I really like kind of having my, my more functional things in there, like a fountain pen and a mechanical pencil. But then these days I also keep a couple art pens in there. I usually have a, a clean color brush if I want to do some lettering. I keep my Copic fine liner and um, sometimes uh, a, a regular wood case pencil. And so it, it's nice to kind of have uh, a little a little kit that's pretty functional, but you can also kind of wander off more into the happy art supply land. And that way, I for for most days, that's all I need if I'm going to do some painting or something more involved. You know, then I actually usually use the the bigger um, chimney stack because it comes with the two or chimney top. Um, yes. But yeah, I like having it kind of all in one that way. Yeah, it's really it's really nice just to have it there and accessible and you don't have to stress about oh I need to be able to access this and you're like no it's all it's all there it's fine like there's no big deal and it doesn't take up too much space on your desk but most importantly like I'm able to close it so I can just toss it in my um drawer with and get it off the top of my desk which has been kind of my goal to try and push myself to keep my desk clean and it's not going super great but uh it's we're working on it (laughs) did you get the did you get the pink one i got the the green one the green one the green one's nice too yeah i think the green looks better with the gray and gold accents yeah that's kind of what i felt and plus green is such a color pink I love pink don't get me wrong but I feel especially in like materials it needs to be the right pink and since it's from Amazon you can't ever really tell what color it's gonna be so I was like I'm gonna go with the green because it's a safe color plus as a graduate of uh, the University of Oregon whose colors are green and gold I had to do a little bit of a shout out to my alma mater with the green and gold so <laughs> Okay, so if you promise not to laugh at me, I have a story about overthinking the color pink. So <laughs> my, my aunt has been teasing me about overthinking everything, so she's going to get a kick out of this. Um, nice. But so I think uh, some people might have uh, seen over the past couple weeks, um, Target was having a big sale on the Series 1 Apple Watch. Yes. And so I was like, okay, this might be a good time to to like play around with a fitness tracker. And so, and plus I'm out here, I'm just kind of like going around and driving and things. So I was like, I'll just drive to a, a Target that's kind of like out in the country and get to drive through the mountainy hills. And it was nice. And right. I got there and the sale's been going on for uh, a week. So they're like pretty cleaned out. And the only, <laughs> the only one that they had left in my size and the smaller 38 millimeter size was the pink uh, the rose gold. The rose gold. <laughs> nice. And I was like, I have to take a moment. And I walked over and like sat down on the display stand, you know, like the aisle displays. <laughs> <laughs> like I was 12. And I sort of sat there and I was like, do I want a pink watch? Like, how do I feel about this? And I was like, no, <laughs> I really, I always said I like the pink, but I just don't, I don't like the white um, face. And 
you know, the uh, the Apple Watch doesn't have a bezel. You know, it's just it would just be black and pink. And I was thinking and try, trying to like process my own color preferences <laughs> and also like thinking too much about like I want to support Apple making pink things because computers are for girls and pink is beautiful and pink can be for lots of people. You know, so like maybe it's good to be on Team Pink, right? Like I feel like right. Team Pink is a good. <laughs> I was sitting there and I finally resolved myself to be like, yes, I'm going to be a pink watch person. And oh, I, I'm so proud. <laughs> oh, but wait. I come Uh-oh. around the aisle. I was literally on oh, the no. other side of it. And the and the cashier knew that I was being pensive. And just as I walk around, there's this nice man who's like about my height, like five foot two. And he's like leaning into the case. And he's like, I'm going to get this one for my wife. And this oh, was like no. the day before Valentine's Day. And the, and the guy that worked there looked at me like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh. it's okay. Okay, <laughs> so I was robbed because I didn't I didn't pull the pink trigger quickly enough. Oh. <laughs> so I went to another Target and I ended up with a black one because that was the only color they had there. It's <laughs> so, like I don't know. Somebody in the universe wanted me to keep my boring old black Apple products. So that's okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's the exciting story of how I ended up with a black Apple Watch. Um, well, congratulations. We can now send love. Taps to each other. <gasps> That's true. I can send you my heartbeat. I'm gonna do it yes. now. I've never done it with any. <laughs> Here we go. I don't even know how you do this. Uh, there. That's that one, right? Um, is it happening? Oh no, that's a squiggle. Did they take out the heartbeat thing? Okay. Yeah, you do two fingers. I think I just sent you kisses instead. That's okay. I think I <laughs> sent you. <laughs> This is why this is not a tech podcast. <laughs> we might have to edit this out, but I think it's hilarious. Okay, yeah. So you hold two fingers down. Oh, there and we it go. We'll do. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> oh wait, you sent it to me too. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. It's. It feels a lot like mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it does. <laughs> Because surprisingly enough, heartbeats aren't very different. <laughs> and if they are, you should probably go to the doctor. Uh, uh, I like that you <laughs> sent me your heartbeat and right above it, it says, don't these idiots know I have a podcast to record? <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a peaceful, lovely iMessage chain. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only love. Love and caring. Uh, okay, so Apple Watches aside, I also did get some actual art supplies this week. Yay! Um, so uh, I took um, a trip to, there is a, a Blick store downtown, um, mm-hmm. which was um, which was pretty cool because I had never been to a, a physical Blick store. Um, it was really fun um, to see everything in person. And it's also... Um, just really funny how no physical stores can beat the internet. I know that that's obvious, right. but I do so little shopping out in the physical <laughs> world these days. Every time I go in, I feel like t- tapping everybody on the shoulder and be like, you know, the internet has more. Like it has right. m- more options. Because <laughs> that's how I feel every time I go in. I was like, this is nice. This is not the internet. Like they're, they are out of stock of some things, you know, and they don't have, right. they, you know, they don't have everything under the sun. Um, but it is so. I almost think of it as kind of like a little education trip when I when I go to a physical store like that. And it was really nice to see everything 
um, everything laid out. And so I ended up getting some um, Karen Dash Supra Color pencils. So that's their um, their watercolor pencil. I really like watercolor pan- pencils, and I've liked the Karen Dash products that I've had before. I feel like they mm-hmm. tend to be pretty pretty rich and oily and kind of sticky and pigmenty, which is how I like things. So yeah, um, I don't I don't know anything about these yet. I haven't used them, but um, I got these. I got uh, a sketchbook. I got a watercolor brush. Um, I got some a. A couple refills for one of my favorite gel pens, which is a really, it's it's called a Y and C Gel Extreme. It's a very strange, extreme. It's a weird gel pen. I've only ever found it on Blick, but um, instead of having um, it screw off at the top of the pen near the near the tip with like a little uh-huh. metal cone, it it screws off the back. And so it works really well because I tend to hold my pens really high, like up on the grip. Oh, okay. So this doesn't, um, this like doesn't interfere, and it's got a needle tip on it, which I really like too. So oh, um, the one I have at home is almost out, so I got two more of those. Um, and then, so that was what I got, like at the art store. I got watercolor pencils. I got a water brush. I got um, uh, a sketchbook and some gel pens. And then I got home and my uncle came over. I was working at the table, you know, because I work from home. And he brings over this like armful of oil paints. And he said, oh. you want some oil paint? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, him and my aunt have switched to using um, water mixable oil paint, uh, which is uh, easier to clean up like you don't have to um, you don't have to use solvents or, or anything toxic or harsh you can just clean up with water and soap um, they're they're a little bit more expensive but they're much easier to use so they've kind of transitioned their palettes to that kind of paint so they had all this um, paint around that they don't use so much and um, he he gave me uh, six uh, large tubes of color that are um, built on something he called the Impressionist palette. So I don't know a ton about it, but it's two reds and two blues and two yellows, and there's no black on the palette, which is, I guess, uh, a distinctive aspect of Impressionist painting. You you just, um, if you want to use something like black, you just mix really dark colors instead. Yeah, uh, basically the idea is that uh, from what I remember from years ago, so please feel free to write in if I am incorrect. Um, but basically, in real life, shadows are never fully solid black. Right. And so to get the shading and the shadows of real life, you go and you just make, you know, uh, tree shadows are going to be really dark green and in the water, et cetera, et cetera. And so you would never use real black in truly impressionistic artwork. Yeah. And that, that kind of made intuitive sense to me that if you're trying to do um, sort of uh, detailed portraiture or landscape that you wouldn't use black because, yeah, black is kind of a, a manufactured experience. You just, you rarely see a true black in nature. Um, yeah. And uh, these particular oils are are Windsor and Newton. I can't really speak to them in particular because I haven't used them, and I certainly haven't used any alternatives. Um, 
but um, these are the Winton oil color. So I am, um, I think back when, um, back when we were doing a little bit more in-depth review of watercolors, I think with Anna, it seemed like a lot of, uh, a lot of paint has a, a student grade, uh, which is sort of the entry level, an intermediate grade, and then an artist grade, which is the yeah. sort of nicest, most expensive versions. And these are that middle grade from, from what I could tell. Um, okay. So they have lots of different colors, but they said that they're good if you want to use a bunch of paint. So uh, I'm excited. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to have a whole lot to reference it, but um, I'm excited to get into a little bit of color mixing. I've been really intimidated by color most of my stuff is just uh, line drawings um but i was reminded of this uh video that someone sent in the early days of art supply posse um called the benefits of a limited palette and there's this uh portrait painter who goes pretty deep into uh, mixing like a full range of colors based on five colors he has red yellow blue brown and white so again he doesn't have black um the video is like 20 minutes long but be careful you will find yourself watching the whole thing because it's very soothing <laughs> and lovely um, awesome yeah so that's I, I not quite what i've been using this week because i've been a lazy bum this week um and just uh hanging out and eating cheeseburgers and reading books um hey but... <laughs> it's your last couple days of almost vacation i know embrace it <laughs> but those before you the... go back to the cold white north yeah so those that's are the new not things canadian that I have. and maybe next week i'll have a little bit more to say about it um but we also got some really nice feedback from uh, Kim and Sue. Um, they were uh, the listeners that sent in uh, questions, I think, back in, I think it was two weeks ago. We talked, um, Kim asked about sort of how to navigate between getting really good at one thing versus doing lots of little things. And she yes. sent us uh, a tweet that included uh, a drawing that she had done of uh, an architecture scene. I guess it was the first one that she had tried to do since starting a Liz Steele course um, or Liz Steele's book. And so she's looking forward to getting outside and drawing soon. But that was nice. It was she sort of was like, thanks for the you know advice, like been working on it. So uh yeah, that was nice to see. And then Sue made some final calls on how she's going to set up her notebooks, and she wrote a little Tumblr post about it. So we'll put those in the show notes if you're interested in how she resolved the um, what was that? What was that big German thing with the Rotterfaden and the yeah, that front, all that that big German word and a couple different notebooks that she was thinking about. So. Um, so yeah, glad that Sue has a setup that's going to work for her. And if you want to check that out, we'll put it in the notes. Yes. And Sue, let us know, because of course we all know how much stuff changes in when you are actually using it. So I would definitely love to hear in the next couple months how it's going and, uh, if you stick with it or end up having to adjust. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, we also had a note from, um, Tina, uh, of, uh, Clouds and Coffee, and, uh, she, this was another follow-up from the printmaking episode. She recommended this product called Easy Cut. Um, we had recommended, uh, linoleum, and Easy Cut is similar in that it's a, it's a petroleum, 
um, sort of plasticky, acrylicy sheet that you can carve. But um, she said it's even easier to carve than linoleum, and it looked like it was similarly um, approachable, um, low low cost, and easy to use. Some basic carving tools on. So um, thanks for that, and we'll have uh, a link to that material, um, similar to linoleum, but maybe a little easier to get started. Yeah, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, so our our main topic today is we're going to chat a little bit about um, early uh, feature film animation, um, particularly at the Disney Studios. Um, but before that, we're going to chat about our sponsor for this episode. This episode of Art Supply Posse is brought to you by Art Snacks, who offer monthly subscriptions of full-sized, high-quality art supplies to save 10% off your first box, which will include four to five full-size supplies. You can use coupon code ARTSUPPLYPOSSE when you subscribe at artsnacks.co. This week, you can also check out the newly announced collection from Art Snacks, the watercolor collection featuring Windsor and Newton. The watercolor collection includes six full-size premium art materials, which includes a limited edition set of Windsor and Newton watercolors and an exclusive first look product that is not available in stores yet. The collection has a combined retail value of $125, but can be pre-ordered now at artsnacks.co for just $89. So um, that's going to be shipping um, in a couple months. I think they said it was uh, early early April. Um, you can find the, the specific date on the website. Uh, but that is, that's a, a great collection for the spring because um, watercolor is, I think, things that people often enjoy doing outside, it's finding a nice tree to sit under and uh, doing some painting of uh, the scenery. So I love uh, watercolor. Um, so if you guys want to uh, get in on that and have some stuff to use this summer, you can check out the uh, the collection. Did you see the email that came out this week about the collection? Oh, I did. And I drooled and made myself wish that I was a watercolorer. Um, I am not, and it scares me. It's scary. So I have a problem with being able to plan things out Mm -hmm. when I'm doing my art. And I think that's partially why I really like the digital, because you can just command Z and erase. And watercolor is like the exact opposite because (laughs) the water will just do so uh, it's a block and an issue that I am fully aware in myself and I'm working on it Mm -hmm. Uh, but I am super excited to see what's in the box and I hope uh, everyone will share when it comes out because I want to see your prettiness yeah water watercolor can be a little intimidating um, but it can also be uh yeah, so oh, it's certainly a fun thing to get started. Gorgeous. With. And people yeah. that can do it, I am in so much awe. Yeah. So um, if you want, go to artsnext.co to learn a little bit more about the new collection. And while you're there, you can also sign up for their monthly subscription box and use uh, coupon code ARTSUPPLYPOSSE to save 10% off your first box. All right. So you're going to tell me a little bit about Disney? Hey. All right, so some of you may remember from my introductory thing, I wanted to be a Disney animator 
for a long, long time <laughs> when I was growing up. And uh, so when Heather had this for my question, I was like, yes, please. And it was really exciting to be able to go back down that history of like my mind mm -hmm. and what I used to be so obsessed with. <laughs> um, it's downstairs on the side table by the door. I love you. Um, and so being able to really like go deep into the supplies again was really exciting. However, it was so disappointing because I have yet to be able to find like what type of pencils they used. Mm. Like wh wh what? Why? How can I get the details if nobody has it written down? Right. But that being said, uh, I was able to do a lot of research on the different types of uh, the different steps because it's such a complicated process, especially before the computers took place. Um, and one of the coolest videos that I found in my research was a 14 part. 14 part. You, That's what you want to hear. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like if you want to get deep down and dirty into fantastic video history animation stuff, click the link in the page or uh, in the show notes for this amazing video series put together the history of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Um, and he has some amazing work all over the place. And it's just ugh, so much awesomeness. I love it. I love it so much. And uh, so, yeah, if you feel like getting being bored <laughs> and going through all of the animation in the past bajillion years... There is a YouTube Watch. series for you. Yes. Okay. Yes. So maybe I'll kind of like out, outline the the rough part of what I know and or what I think okay. I know, and then you can kind of um, fill fill in the the details. That sounds perfect. So my understanding is that, um, of course, the animation was was done by hand. So you, the the sort of superstars of the animation world are the are the character animators. So they're the ones that take a figure and um, you know like Snow White and and draw her in all these different frames to get her to to walk and to sing and to dance and to do all of her 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 parts. And then that animation is combined with uh with other elements like it's not like you draw every frame of the movie in its entirety you have like matte paintings or secondary character animation you even have like a special effects department that does like water and rain and wind and things and then okay. there's some sort of a compositing process where you compose the whole frame and then I imagine there's some sort of a photography process to take those drawings and to commit them to uh, negatives which are then used to to print the reels that go out for distribution pretty close all right tell me where I'm wrong all right so the very first thing is of course the storyboard which is like 
drawings of the scenery. So it's not necessarily going to transition directly into the animation itself, but it's going to be more like getting the feel for what the story is. Of course, this is after the script is written and all that stuff. Um, after the storyboards is when comes the vocalizations. So the actual audio for the uh, animations are so the people that are coming in and giving the, sp the speaking roles and the singing roles and all of that are done before, a lot of times before the final characters are even created. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times they use, well, especially nowadays, but um, they will video the character as they're speaking and pull some of those animation like how someone moves their eyebrows or their mouths while they're saying these lines to then go deeper into the actual character animation which is kind oh, of cool. the voice performances come before the animations okay yeah and a lot of times before the character is even fully created okay wow i didn't realize that yeah and so after the audio is done, that's when they make um, a story reel. So this is going to be a very slash and grab type of animation. So a lot of times they will have like little stick figures that they're moving around to basically make sure that the blocking of the video works with the audio mm -hmm. um, so that they can tell the story, but also like where is the quote-unquote camera panning going to show up mm -hmm. or what are you so you can make adjustments to the story before you've gone in and spent eight million hours on you know 10 minutes of animation you already have the story plot all of that really set in stone before the uh Hardcore work goes into okay, it. Okay, so you start with a um, storyboard, which is this correct. like rough outline of the of the story with mostly just backgrounds. They're kind of like comic, comic strips. strips, right? Yeah. Um. So it just says this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and and then you have the the voice performances based on the script and the storyboard, and then once you have the voice performances, then you build a story reel, which is really crude animation. Um, added to the, the rough outline that you had from the storyboard. So now you have voice performances and this really crude animation. So you can start to kind of get the shape of the movie before you start filling it in with high quality art. Exactly. Okay. Um, the, it's, the story reel is also called an animatic and it's kind of like a flip book. Oh, okay. So it ha it's very rough. Um, nowadays, they use a lot of stock photography um, or like vector drawings to be able to make adjustments. So it's it's similar to like a CGP gray stick figure type video where it's very rough and just kind of. So would they have to even to do that, though, they would have to photograph the drawings and print it to film in order to even preview it. Right. Correct. Correct. So they must have had. A whole kind of little mini uh, dark room and uh, like filmmaking studio where they would take these rough things right. and, and build reels that they could that they could view and um, and work on. Right, and so the uh, I'm sure it's not a mini dark room. I'm sure it's like a full on section of things 
to make it. I mean, these are huge productions, so I'm sure it's like a whole wing of the building. Do you is... think that it would be uh, like an in-house uh, shop to produce working films? That Would that be different than where they shipped the the final artwork to get photographed and and put into like to make the final reels for production well so i from what i understand um the and we'll get into how the actual reels are created like the original i'm sure that's done in-house and then they probably have a distributor that creates the actual final prints Mm -hmm. um because that's a lot of it's a lot of film right. to have to manage and boring work. Right. Um, so after the animatic is done, so the director and everyone has a really good idea of the pacing and the plot lines and all of that. Once that's done, that's when it goes to the actual design departments. So your characters will, your character uh, animators will have an actual design put in place Mm -hmm. so they can see how the character will actually move and little, excuse me, uh, little gestures and the poses and what makes that character that character uh there were model sheets so you can see a full 360 um display of so if the princess has a little bow at the back Mm -hmm. so you know where it needs to go and that sort of thing um and then is when so after all of the characters are done uh, during that same time, the background stylist will start getting a feel for the settings and maybe the coloring and lighting and all of that. So there's this is the pre-production stage pretty much of the actual work that's going to be done in the future. And uh, that is when, once everything is finalized, so you have your characters are in place, your sets are in place colors are all good all of that that's when the animation starts and you use transparent paper that's perforated at the top so they have holes in it so that you can make sure that the paper is going to be lined up Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a, a registration system kind of yes yes uh they will they normally will use colored pencils Um, So either a red or a blue to draw the very basic animation. So the main person who is the lead animator or key animator does the key drawings in the scene. So this is usually someone who's been there a long time. Oh, that's right. Um, So like even on top of there being like character animators being kind of the, the... the creme de la creme, the, the really fancy people are the ones that do the keyframes. And then there are other mm-hmm. artists that will, so like a keyframe artist would say, okay, like the hand starts here and then it moves up here. And then there's another artist that like fills in all the frames in between. Yeah. And the, the person that fills it in is normally called the in-betweener. Gotcha. And uh, the cleanup, there is also a cleanup animator and those are the ones that take like the high level lead animators with the 
assistant animators um, who are doing like extra details in each of those frames. And then the in-betweeners are the ones that do the really, really tiny movements. Gotcha. And so there are usually three steps of drawings before they get to the final ink and paint. Gotcha. Um, so once those are done, and the the really interesting thing is, especially because you've spent, you've had so much time spent with the character designers, mm-hmm. um, you can't tell that at least three people touched one character. Yeah. Because everything is going to look exactly the same. You're going to have that reaction and that every movement is going to be like just finalized and made perfect so that it all looks like one person did it all. Gotcha. So which is kind of in the in the end, it, it, it looks like a coherent whole. Exactly. So, exactly. so after you've already gone through the development process of going from um, storyboards to voice acting to story reels, now you have the rough rough shape of the movie. Then when you're going to actually start filling that in with animation, you have a similar whole process that goes into the character animating, which starts with um, really rough uh, keyframe animation that gets approved by the directors for the the performance that the animator is doing with the character. And then once that rough movement is uh, approved, then you have uh, a whole another series of artists, including um, the in-betweeners that will fill out the, the space between the keyframes and then the cleanup artists that will take all of those frames and um, just make them neater and then fill that in with final inking and coloring once everything is uh, approved um, by the director. Cor- correct. So, and then the ink and painting is actually done on the celluloid. Ah, Okay. So, so before have, this, it's actually paper. So when people talk about yep, cell, it's all been on cell paper. animation, it's, that's the final stage for the inking and coloring? Correct. So they have these drawings that are on really thin paper um, that are then um, put underneath the plastic, the cell, um, which are then inked on top of the cell and painted on the reverse side so that the lines of the inking are going to be on the top Uh, then you have the cell and then you have the color on the back gotcha and so these cells are clear so that you can put them on top of the beautiful paintings that the background artists have done oh no way okay so when i'm looking at these pictures of of celluloid it looks like it's chalky but that's just because it has this like paper backing it's actually uh like an overhead projector type like super legitimately see-through um piece of plastic oh gosh do they paint one of those for every frame uh uh pretty much yeah Oh, so you have that you ink it on one side and then you paint it on the reverse which is basically uh 
about the matter of coloring in the lines because you want the color to come right up to the ink line so you draw ink on one side and then on the back side you fill in the color really precisely right up to the line but then if you flip it back over you always get the 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 line dominating over the The coloring yeah oh and then you can physically lay that over whatever kind of matte painting or background painting that you have or other um other character drawings exactly how did this ever uh, get made they had this ever right (laughs) (laughs) this process well and uh Back in the day, uh, the only women that were allowed to assist in animation was in the ink and paint department because it was not, it didn't take actual drawing skills, which is so not true. But in the minds of uh, the people in charge, women were allowed to ink and paint. Ah, yes. And so so that, that those intuitive gender roles. <laughs> right, right. Well, especially because you're able to pay them less so you can hire more of them to do more of the work because it had to be done with every single cell in the movie. Oh, that's really overwhelming and very amazing. <sighs> yeah. I try to watch animated movies and keep in mind how much work went into them, but that's the particular magic of it is I get too distracted by the story and the characters and I right? end up just falling in love with them and I forget to notice how every one of those moments was brought to life in this grueling process. Because that doesn't even take into place the fact that every single one of those cells is created into a composite using the special animation camera. Right. So it's very much like stop motion. So if you've ever seen any of that amazing like uh, fast forward time time lapse is the word I'm looking for uh, time lapse uh, video of like um what was the most recent one and the two strings yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah like uh like um, a is the is the studio yeah they're actually local to me which is really cool um do you know the story about the and- Leica money no so stop animation is this impossibly impossibly expensive thing to do and like one of the only successful uh and like stop animation studios in the country is called Leica. And um, they have a bunch of money that comes to them from someplace, someplace, some Oregon place, some big pile of Oregon money. Uh, which probably starts with an N and ends You in guessed Ike. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> uh, the, 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 I think it's the president of the studio is uh, the uh, Nike dude's son. He's like, Nike Jr. Oh, that makes so much yeah. sense. Oh my goodness, how did I not know this? <laughs> I it was one of the only it was on it was a time where I was like perfectly content with uh, uh, massive accumulation of wealth. You know, if this is if if right. if there really is a healthy process of patronage and uh, funding of social programs, sure, fine, you can be really rich. Right. I got no problems. And and well, and they, I mean, the Nike money is spread out i it we feel it in our area because of course nike is its main home is local 
Uh, it's about half an hour yeah, from me. Kubo and the Two Strings. And that's the name of the film. Kubo. Yeah, and the two I've strings. heard very, yes, very good it. things about. Oh, Nike. it's amazing! Like, uh, My daughter and I saw it, and it's it's incredible. It's so it's magical, is what it is. Um, and there's a lot of time lapse uh, videos out there um, that you can watch them doing some of the scenes, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's just mind blowing. So if you look into that, and then you think of because at least with stop motion animation they have created a character they've built it whatever puppet thing and then they just move it with each frame right but in animation someone had to draw every single frame crazy someone had to ink every single frame Someone had to color every single frame. Someone had to photograph every single frame. So it's like this whole other level of insanity in play. So, so once you get all the um, all the cells painted painted up, and you have all these frames, then there is this uh, this fancy rig for photographing it, where I would imagine there's some sort of a, a registration system where you can put the put the cells up one after the other, and then the is the is the camera designed to take a photograph and then to um, and, and to like pull the reel through and just take these like successive photographs right on the right onto the negatives that are going to become the film reel. Uh, yes, I'm fairly certain okay. that's how it works. Cool. Um, so this says shooting on twos. What is shooting on twos? So shooting on twos is uh, so basically uh, that is a list of the different types of animation styles. Okay. So. Cell animation is what the one, the main one that Walt Disney was, and the, it's the extremely time intensive. Gotcha. Um, limited animation is the one is where you will have. So if say someone's sitting in a chair and they're talking, mm-hmm. you would have the body and the chair and the background would all be on a single cell. Mm-hmm. And you would animate just the mouth moving. Oh, okay. So instead of having to redraw the entire body and chair with each of the frames, you would just animate the mouth. Gotcha. So shooting on twos is something that is a a time and money saver because instead of having to draw something different for every single frame shooting on twos is you would have movements so that you would take two frames with the same picture Uh. so it's going to be a little bit less smooth a little bit more choppy a lot of like um traditional saturday morning cartoons are shot on twos yeah because it's just a budget thing Exactly. Exactly. So you're able to tell the same story without having to worry about um, filling up as much space. Okay. If you don't know this, I totally understand. But I saw that there's something called shooting on threes as well. But instead of two frames, it said you use the same drawing for eight frames. Is there some sort of exponential confusion happening there? Um... 
I don't know about eight frames. I know there's like, it looks like, um, it like uh, Studio Ghibli's uh, will add in some select shots on threes. I don't know about the oh, eight Oh, okay. I think frames. this has to do with the fact that um, films are usually um, screened at 24 frames per second. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, so, yes. so a shot on threes would be eight, eight frames per second. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, that makes yes. sense. And I right. imagine Ooh, that is to make some out. sort of math work in the end. Um, so right. that in the end you have the same amount of film. You know, a, a, a one-hour film shot on... 24 frames per second would be the same amount of of um, film as uh, like a a 20 minute film on no the opposite a 20 minute film on 24 frames per second would be the same amount of film in the same formatting as a one hour film shot on uh, eight frames per second so you yes, wouldn't have to yes, you wouldn't have to change your setup or anything you could use the same um, the same right. materials and the the same formatting. Yes. Um, and then there are animation loops, and this is where you'll just use the same movements mm -hmm. uh, in an animation. So, like, a lot of walking or... Right, right, um, right. I've seen that before. Uh, yeah. They're kind of like uh, like clip art, like a thing that you yes. can just pull out and say, like, <laughs> okay, here are the feet for walking, and you can just yes. kind of... Um, I would imagine either use it as reference in your animations or literally just have it as another layer on top of the character. Right. Exactly. Um, and then there is the multiplane camera and this is um, multiple levels. So you have a huge piece of art that is on different layers of the glass plates. So, as you have the camera move closer so okay so let's say you have a forest so you have the back trees on one piece of the glass then you have um another piece of glass that's above it that has more trees but they're a little bit closer uh, maybe a, a little bit further apart and then you have a glass plate that has like uh snow white's house the gotcha. or, the uh the dwarf's house mm -hmm. so by using the same by using one camera you can move the camera in relation to those pictures to get the effect of it like having depth and uh, like three having depth ex yeah. exactly without having to draw that depth oh here okay it says an early example is the scene in Walt Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs where the evil queen drinks her potion. Let's see. We should be able to find find Snow White uh, drinks potion. It's not her, but... Yes. Come on, Google machine. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, here we go. And so, like, it spins it... around but has yeah things yeah i would imagine that the that the background is going to kind of twirl all right let's see this here we go 
Twirling is such a good word. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, man. It's so cool to watch it. And uh, Okay, so watch this clip and then look at the the picture of that camera that Kathy put in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Um, multi-pane camera. Snow White yes. example. Okay. Cool. Man, this is so much fun. I'm geeking out. I know. I love it. I'm so geeking out because it makes me so happy. <laughs> I mean, I just remember sitting and watching um, uh, The Little Mermaid and like drawing uh, the um, the things, the the characters, whatchamacallits, the characters, but I would draw mermaids and I would have these mermaids be me and it was just oh, so much fun so much fun I mean it's just and it's so cool to know that the world is such that it's it's easier and more difficult both to have this become a reality for people mm-hmm. um, I mean there's some oh, amazing people in the world yeah amazing it's artists. really interesting to to read about the early days of computer animation um uh before before john lasseter um joined the the team that would eventually become pixar he was he he got hired at the disney animation studios and you know that was his his dream like that's the only thing he ever wanted yeah and he was even at that time interested in computer animation but the this the studio uh, management was really only interested in that as a way of cutting costs like they weren't they weren't interested in it as a, a medium of of its own um like La- Lasseter yeah. was really uh, inspired by it as a filmmaking tool because you can do all of this um camera work you know um and and program it all and 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 do do much more complex things and they really only had uh, an imagination about how to use that to um to augment their existing process and i i think right. that is that's a thread that goes through the history of animation it is this intense intense budget constraints and even the kind of the the golden age of animation the like early um films they were massively supplemented by other activities you know disney would make these shorts that would run before newsreels or um run on television or run the parks like there there was all this other stuff that happened to to enable the animation to to keep going like it's it's always like you you hear about it and you go gosh that's complicated how could that how could that ever be feasible and the fact is that it has uh it's it's never been easy, you know. Like uh, this, right. none of this. The has set ever been of like easy. really high quality feature animation films, you know. I mean, that's a it's a it's yeah. a small group, um, at least in uh, as much as I'm aware of. You know, it's been it's only been happening for uh, a little, un, you know, not even a hundred years, and it's just so expensive. Yeah, it's so expensive. I mean, all of it is expensive and insane and it just i mean just the fact that any that these this many companies exist that are able to put out amazing work it's just oh it's mind-blowing it's so incredible um suffice to say 
there's a lot more that we could learn about animation. And yes. <laughs> um, if, if it was up to me, it could very easily become a Disney animation posse, but we'll have to right. <laughs> maybe do a follow-up <laughs> episode sometime, but for now. Yeah, if any of you are interested, of course, you can always, you know, if you just Google uh, animation. <laughs> I mean, there's so much, so much. Ooh, tips and um, tricks here. <laughs> right, right. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, but yeah, I could talk about it forever. And uh, just stories I vaguely remember from classes and things. And oh, it's just amazing. It's, it's amazing. At the very least, we'll it. have to do a, uh, a computer animation episode um, with, a, with a focus on the sort of history of um, Pixar as a studio. We could do it for Leica, too. Yes. We could do, like, a whole animation <gasps> yes. studio. Ooh, that would yes. be fun. Um, but that's not what we're going to do next week. I can week. go and take a picture of myself at their Ooh, office. That would be nice. Be like, um, yeah. So what are we going to do next week? What's your question? What are you interested in? All right, Heather, I would like you to research gauche. <laughs> gouache. Okay, so it's actually, <laughs> yes, it's actually pronounced gouache. But... Uh, it's such a weird word, and I had only seen it spelled or said and never together. It's very similar to how I thought the name S-E-A-N was pronounced seen, not Sean. Gotcha. Um, it's one of those words that you're just like, oh, this is how I say it. And then you learn that it's not. Were you and, a person uh, that said Seamus in your head instead of Seamus when you read Harry Potter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, what's all this Seamus nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's hard because, especially with Sean, is that there's you could also spell it S H A W N. So in my mind, couldn't be two ways. S E A N isn't a word. Like that's not a name. That's not how that works. It makes makes perfect sense. So in addition to uh, the definitive pronunciation in English, uh, you also are just wondering how it's different from other paints. Yeah, what what makes it special? Why would you choose to use gouache instead of acrylic or oil or watercolor or whatever? Um, especially since that was one of the paints that were used in uh, original background painting in Disney was gouache and acrylic okay. before they transitioned to watercolor and oil mainly. Cool. So. Like, and what, what, what is it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I know a little bit about gouache and I will do a little bit more research on it. And then also, um, think about the, the ways that it's been used, you know, in particular settings like animation and maybe some other settings and, and why it was a good fit for those, um, applications. So, yeah. Why would you choose it instead of something All else? All right. That's what we'll chat about uh, next week. Um, in the meantime, um, thank you again to our sponsor, Art Snacks, um, for their support this week. Use coupon code ARTSUPPLYPOSSE for 10% off your first box and check out their new uh, water color collection um, featuring Windsor and Newton paints. Uh, you can find the show notes at artsupplyposse.com slash 34. If you want to get a hold of us, you can get us on Twitter and Instagram at Art Supply Posse. Um, thank you, as always, to Bob Atkins of Skylab Letterpress for our intro and outro music. And um, thank you all for listening. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.
<laughs> that was loud. 